0: Hey friends, welcome to today's show. Today I am so excited to introduce you guys to Adi Arazzini. She is the female founder and CEO of Tea Me Blends, a lifestyle brand that creates wellness and skincare products inspired by the health benefits of tea. After solving her own health issues, Adi started Timi Blends in 2013 and has been helping people live happier and healthy lifestyles ever since. Timi Blends is a multi-million dollar company that helps over 200,000 people a year from their website alone. They were awarded the Inc. 500 in 2018 and 2020 for one of the fastest growing companies in America. Their products are featured in stores all around the world, including Ultra Beauty, Nordstrom's, Anthropologie, Urban Outfitters, and Target. I am so excited for us to dive in with Adi today and for her to share all of her wisdom with us and to talk a lot about what does it look like in the messy middle and what do we need to know as entrepreneurs. So without further ado, I am so excited to introduce you guys to my new friend, Adi. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of The Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen. Michelle is a mama on a mission, dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions, no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Living Your Calling podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Hagan, and my mission is to help you step into whatever you're truly called to do. I'm a Midwest wife and mom, and I built my business and dreams between the moments of motherhood. I believe that you can create your dreams around whatever season of life you're in. I'm obsessed with creating connections, out of the box ideas, and cheering people on in whatever goal they're chasing. This is a place where you can come to feel like you're joining your best friends for coffee, for real talk of what's happening in life and business. Whether you're working on personal development or business, friend, I got you. Each week, you will find an episode that educates, inspires, and helps you take action to step into your calling and live your best life. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, Adi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am excited for what we're going to dive into today and just talking about entrepreneurship and how you built your business and what that looked like and the messy middle. Um, But first tell the listeners what's new with you. What's been going on in your world since the new year?
1: Oh, wow. It's like, I don't know how this month went by so fast. It like was like a blink and now it's I haven't even really understood that it's February yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something that's going on in our world is that the teeny office and warehouse are actually moving to newer and bigger locations. So the the current place that we've been in uh, will have been here for four years. And so we're moving to a new warehouse location and a new office location that we're renovating. So that's uh, kind of the newness going on. We should be in there by April 1st. So we have two more months left to renovate and to get that place ready.
0: Oh, that is exciting. And it's just cool to like hear like the expansion and like what's next. I've been kind of like watching and I loved the little pink fridge you guys just recently launched. And I giggled to myself because my son got this little red fridge from like a school thing. And I had been trying to convince him like, could mommy use that for her <laughs> great stuff? Like, could, could mommy put that in the bathroom? And he's like, no. And I was like, you don't even have anything to put in this fridge. Yeah. But I was like, ooh, look at this cute little pink fridge. Like, then it could actually be mine instead of some little kid fridge that he got from school.
1: Exactly. Yeah, our skincare fridge is, is super fun. I can't live without mine. I, I like to organize all my skincare in there because what I noticed is that my skincare would be shoved in drawers and there's so, you know, so much product that would go for years unused. And I just hated that. So I love being able, number one, it chills it. But number two, to see all the skincare and then be able to like invest even more in my skincare routine because I can actually see the products that I have in front of me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting that a lot of people like the using the cold on your skin is kind of become the new thing, but people don't know that it actually preserves your skincare products by putting them in the fridge longer. Cause I know one of the skincare products that I use, it's a Florida based company too. And she's like, no, it's all cold kept. So like, it's literally fresh to you and it, how important it is to keep all that stuff in the fridge.
1: It really is. I mean, especially with natural skincare, um, we're not using chemical preservatives in order to maintain that the active ingredients. So it, it's huge for, for specifically for natural skincare.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I would love to dive in and kind of talk about. You were talking about moving and creating, you know, doing the renovation. So, what does an average day look like for you when you are working on your business?
1: You know, this question is always interesting to me because depending on the season and depending on what's happening in the business, things change so much for me. Um, When you're a CEO of a company and if you're passionate about what you do and you really care, your hand is kind of an everything and it shouldn't be. You should have be able to have people on specific jobs and specific positions in order to control the organization and to make things flow right. And I have that to some degree. but as you're growing, you're always going to have new tasks that you almost have to then organize and create a job for. And until you do that, all these new tasks, all these new projects, they go on, the CEO. So, you like, for example, you start a business and you're like packing your own products and sending them to the warehouse and sending them to the customers. So, then you have a job, which is warehouse packer. And then you're doing all the customer service. And then you are like, okay, good. Let me train someone else to be a customer service rep. And you build out the functions based off of things that you're doing that you want to promote yourself out of. But what I found interesting is that. I've been in business for seven years and I'm still doing that. I'm still like, I do so much admin work that no one would know Mm -hmm. what I do because I haven't, you know, figured out in a full on position that I'm paying somebody to do only that thing. Mm -hmm. So, and I could have a situation where we have to fire somebody. So I go into HR or we need to hire people and I'm working with the HR manager or we have a situation that needs to be handled. Everything comes up to the CEO. Uh, mm. which it really shouldn't. And it, that is the building of an organization. And it takes time until you reach that level of like, wow, you really have executives underneath you that can handle those things so that it doesn't come up to you. But I haven't gotten there yet. So I'm still building that.
0: Mm. That's so refreshing to hear because even as people to understand that you have built a multi-million dollar business and yet your hands are still so much in it. And I think that that is kind of a facade that people think like, oh, well, once I reach or we reach a certain number, I'll be able to step back more. Or that's where you think like, oh, I go on, I'll go on vacations. Or, you know, sometimes I think that social media gives us this facade that people aren't working as hard as they are behind the scenes. And like you just described, your hands are still very much in the business.
1: Absolutely. And I work 10 to 12 hour days and I haven't taken a vacation forever. And my husband and I are long distance and we have been for six years. And I've sacrificed my own personal marriage and not had children because of the business, because I know that how much I'm needed and that the business wasn't ready and that I need to build it with people that I trust. And so coming up after we moved to the new location, I'm hoping by April 15th, I can then move to where my husband lives, which is Portland, Oregon, and then run teamy remotely and come back every few weeks and do that. But I've been working on that for six years. So it's not mm-hmm. a it's not a a short thing that I've been working on.
0: Wow. That's just amazing. And I think it's a real, that's just another amazing insight to like let people hear. And we talked about talking about that messy middle of we all have these dreams of creating things and we just have like that entrepreneur spirit and you built like physical products and there's people who are trying to, you know, create coaching or do online things. But there's this middle portion that nobody really talks about. We're all taught like how to start it, what you should be doing on Instagram, but then there's no one that talks about the middle what advice do you have for someone who's living in that middle that's trying to reach the like the next level of actually being like i am known by more people than just being this tiny company
1: well i think that um focusing on whatever metric is getting you is moving the needle for your business like in In order to find out what that is, you need to narrow in on where are your results coming from, and then focus in on how do you do more more of that type of marketing or or promotion? And that might mean you need more employees. For us, it it means we need more. If we want to get to the next level, we need more employees. That's one of our strategies that we need. For someone else, it might be something else. It might be that they need to put together a manual for uh, the customer service rep, or something that they need to work themselves out of. Um, But that's the same advice that that I'm giving to myself. That messy middle—it happens multiple times because you're in the beginning, and it's very exciting in the beginning. It's almost my favorite part. Everyone's like thinks that that part's the scariest. It's not. When you're in the beginning, you have no risk. You have no employees. It's not scary. If you fail, no one will know. But if Teeny fails right now, that's scary to me. You know, like I have people that I've promised jobs and that I've promised careers. And I can't let them down. And it's just a whole other level of responsibility. You're no longer just working for yourself and for your own needs. Like And for your own vacations and things like that, you're worried about how does the business make so much money so that I can give people amazing careers and that they'll want to stay with me and be with me and grow this business with me together. So your mindset switches from you to others very quickly as your business, if your business is growing. Now, some people don't want to have employees and their business model doesn't need it. And that's amazing. Um, But I definitely wanted to create a space where where women could grow their careers and, and do something meaningful. Uh, But, you know, the messy middle happens as you level up, you're always going to be in the middle of that new level that you're at. You're going to level up and then you're going to go through that. I'm in the messy middle right now of the level that I'm at. And then you might plateau for a couple of years and then you're like
0: freaking out and then you might, you might shoot up again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you deal with, you talked about, you know, you have the people under you and you're now responsible for someone else's kind of like livelihood and them having careers underneath your company. And I think as entrepreneurs, especially new ones, when they're hiring on a team member, like sometimes those first few team members are the scariest ones because now you're like, okay, I have to be able to pay for my business and you know, and this other person, like you had said, how did you deal with the stress of some of that? Or is there ways that or tips or tricks you have of that piece of the middle?
1: Well, the first thing I did before I hired someone is I put, I wrote down what they needed to do. What is the job that I wanted them to accomplish? And what is the uh, final, that final outcome of what they needed to do? So if they were a warehouse packer, that the final outcome would be orders packed and shipped to the customer, right? And I had figured out through myself, okay, I can pack this many orders per hour. I need this person to be packing X amount of orders per day. So you're setting those expectations and then you must work with the person to make sure that they're doing that. No matter what job they have across the board, whether they're working with influencers or working with customers, you have to have accountability for your employees because if they're not making your life easier by taking away something that you're doing, then you didn't accomplish what you needed to accomplish with that person. A lot of times you can hire an employee and almost uh, assume that they're going to like figure it out. No, it's not up to them to figure it out. It's up to you, the employer, to write down like a little, a little manual or an operating procedure. And then, have things that you expect for them every day to do and get reports and have accountability. And, and, and you have to train them and train them and train them. And it can take six months to have an employee really feel that they're in their own groove and they don't need to be kept accountable as much because now they've got it down. But it can really take three to six months, sometimes longer.
0: Mm. I love that you mentioned like that time frame because sometimes I think we just want to like offload it because we just want to get rid of it to free up our time, but we forget that no, you have to foster them and continue to craft them. But to give that time in there, I think is a great thing that you touched on because, and I also love that you touched on that if they can't replace you, like. To your capacity that you were doing then it's not the right person or maybe you're not training correctly and i love that piece because sometimes i think as entrepreneurs i'm an enneagram three so i'm like hit every goal until i go until like i hit the goal and i have some friends that are super high capacity and they say well i could never find anyone to replace because i can do it all so fast but i love that what you just said like gives those entrepreneurs permission to say like no don't stop looking." till you find the right person that can replace you and do it as fast as you can. Absolutely. Um, but I would like to say that you have to manage expectations
1: because as an entrepreneur, no one's going to care as much as you do. So mm-hmm. if I was packing orders, I might even do it a little bit nicer than they're doing it. You have to train them to do it the best that you can, the closest to you. But you have to be able to let things go a little bit. You know, I loved doing the customer service because I took care of each customer and I made sure that each one was taken care of. And, you know, with our customer service world, there's they're amazing because I train them and I have manuals written for them. But there's definitely still times that a customer is upset and they want a refund and what do we do? And I can't like let that get to me because it's mm-hmm. not my job. I'm there to support the the girls and and help them out. But you train them so that they can make their own decisions.
0: Mm, That's great advice. Now more than ever, people are looking for natural alternatives to replace in the things that they use every day. This is where Teami blends come in. They not only have loose leaf teas and matcha and tumblers and portable blenders, but they also have wellness powders, natural skincare and everything that you need to be healthy from the inside out. Head to TeamyBlends.com and use the code HAGAN20, that's H-A-G-E-N 20, to receive 20% off of your order. Teamy Blends, where their purpose is to help you live happier and a healthier lifestyle. Okay. So I know part of your messy middle is you grew a lot on Instagram and through influencers. And I feel like Instagram also has this messy middle place of like where you're kind of getting in your groove of what you're wanting your business to look like, even Instagram, Facebook, any social media platform. But then there's like a key of all of a sudden, it like it seems like from me as, as a sales strategist and looking at people, all of a sudden it kind of like clicks and then it's like it starts trucking. So what is your advice for the people that are kind of right before that clicking part on social media, if that's kind of what they're trying to use to build their business? I would just say to
1: be consistent. And and I know that everybody says that, but it's like massively important Uh, Whatever you're finding works, for example, if you're like, I post once a day, you have to do that forever. Like Teamy posts two to three times a day and it has for the last seven years, never missing a day. And so you have to, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're committed to, let's say a business hosts a seminar or a webinar once a week on Fridays you have to create that dependability and that consistency for the customer that they know every Friday they're doing a webinar. And so you have to just create that, whatever it is and and never like, you can't have the viewpoint of like, oh, I just missed a day. It's okay. Like then what if we missed a day in our warehouse sending out orders? Like mm-hmm. what if I missed a day of customer service emails? It's the same with the PR aspect or the marketing aspect. Like, it's the same whatever action you're doing, you have to actually keep doing it
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: will create that click that you're that you're talking about. I like to call it like when the when the scales tip into your favor or um, I like to say the snowball effect. like it just starts rolling down the hill and and picking up speed. but it starts off as a tiny snowball and then it just goes down the hill, picks up speed. Um, but it can take years for that mm-hmm. to happen. Uh, as an example, like we have our retail department and their job is to get our product into retail stores. And so that's not even our website. That's like Ulta, Target, brick and mortar stores, boutiques, spas, like um, Sally's Spa that you would find in your local place in, in Portland mm-hmm. and getting our products into there as another channel of revenue. And it was really hard. It's been... It was. it's really hard. All you're doing is cold calling and emailing and trying to get your product places and it could take years. And now we're picking up steam and people are contacting us where they're like, I saw you on so-and-so. I'd love to carry your product in the Philippines or mm-hmm. in Russia or wherever they're from. Uh, so it takes time, years, most of the time.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing that's like people forget that it's a long game And it's not a sprint, even though like we feel like sometimes we just have to sprint to get to one goal, that really we have to think about the long game. And I loved how you touched on the posting and the dependability, because even as a solar entrepreneur, I am the perfect example of January, I got really sick. And guess what? I didn't batch work anything. And it And the ball was rolling because Clubhouse was rolling of like how we've all met. And it was like I hit a wall and boom and it stopped. And that's like, I think a great thing, even as solo entrepreneurs of hearing that the batch working and being dependable and and what happens if you get taken out of your business, how does the business keep going? Yep. So I would love to touch on, you have grown with influencers and there are a lot of even mom influencers. Now there's so many more that are coming up. What does it look like to get to be featured as an influencer or what are your tips for influencers when they're trying to reach out to companies to work together?
1: I'm usually I'm giving advice on the other hand. I'm giving advice usually to brands, but influencers, um, all the kind of the tips and tricks that, that make your account look better or bigger than it is, brands that know what they're doing can see through it. Brands that don't know what they're doing, they probably will work with you. But um, bloggers or influencers that are part of their blogger pods and they all comment on each other's stuff, that's that's great for your account and that's great for what you see. But when we are looking for influencers, we're actually looking for people that are actually influencing someone's buying decisions. Mm. And so we're looking through people's comments and if there's just a bunch of heart emojis or... a a girl saying that their dress is pretty, that doesn't tell us that this person is actually helping their audience. So we personally go through and make sure that the people that we're working with are real, genuine, authentic people. They're not robots to some degree. Yeah, um, They're not just, you know, getting hundreds of comments from random people. So my tip is to for influencers working with brands is to make sure that you're cultivating your own audience and having one-on-one personal communications and really building your own community of some sort. Mm -hmm. When you come to a brand, you can say, hey, I have this community, this is what I have. And if I were the influencer, I would track as much, all the campaigns of all the collaborations that I'm doing, I would track it so that I could tell a new brand, like, hey, I worked with this brand, I made them this amount of money. Most influencers, they don't know how much money they've made that brand. So, okay, if they worked with that brand, it doesn't mean anything to me, because I don't know if it was successful or not. Mm -hmm. So track your numbers so that you can come to a brand and say, like, yeah, I drove $1,000 of purchases, or even $100 $100 of purchases um, to this brand store, I charge $50 to do this kind of campaign, and usually I'll get $100 in purchases. Then you can go, the brand would be like, wow, that's great. I would get a good
0: 2X ROI. Mm -hmm. That is, so one thing I want to, like if listeners didn't catch in there, like the importance that you've said of brand and community, which is one thing that we Oh, we always talk about, or we've talked about here on the podcast quite a bit of how important that is. And knowing your numbers is one thing that I think that business owners, because I work with a lot of creatives and I'm like, okay, well, how much came in this month and how much went out? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> no. So like, I think that that of like what you kind of said in there of the knowing your numbers and the tracking your numbers and how important it is in a business, because even being on clubhouse and just kind Kind of listening in some of those rooms of people giving advice and people like you are asking like well what are the numbers mm-hmm. and, and people have no clue yeah and i feel like as you're starting new it's hard to kind of understand and then you're in that messy middle where it feels like everything's on fire mm-hmm. if you were to say like what can you kind of tell people which numbers are you th- do you think are like the key things that people should always be looking at when looking for their business to tick forward yeah, it's hard to say because I don't know what type of business each person has. It's
1: different between services and and products. But for my business, we look at revenue. We look at cost of goods. Uh, we look at the expenses, the the like rent and employees and payroll and health insurance and all all the expenses that are um, recurring combined with cost of goods. And you you look at that in comparison to the revenue in order to see what your profit margin is. And uh, we have a lot, a lot of costs team, we have a lot of costs. Um, but at the end of the day, it's income versus, versus expenses at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. It's what is your income and what is your expenses? And, you know, uh, as for a simple entrepreneur, you can do that on a spreadsheet and just look mm-hmm. at the money coming in and the money going out.
0: Yeah. And I want the listeners to also realize that you literally just said spreadsheet when that's like what it's so simple, like with people that are in the beginning, like it's not like some rocket science where you are like you need all of these extra add on things to your business that if you can just run a spreadsheet, like just keep the numbers and how important that is. And I love how a lot of the things that you've talked about, as we think that like it has to get hard or it has to be some complicated formula that it's really not. It's literally taking the things that you probably were using at the beginning and you've just continued to refine and grow them. Yes, exactly. So I would just kind of love to wrap up our conversation of what other advice, if there was just one piece of advice that you could give in a business that's in those middle, in that middle season, what, what advice do you have for them? Or if it's someone who's that struggling and, you know, the feeling of before, like, is this going to work? Should I give up? What's your advice to them?
1: Well, that's a, two answers right there, because if you're feeling like, is this going to work and should I give up? You're not in the messy middle. You're at the beginning having those thoughts like is this going to work then you're not in the middle because you haven't proven financially that what you're doing is is workable the messy middle to me is when you've been doing it for a while to some level of success and you're stuck and you're looking to get to the next level so anyone that's yeah. thinking like should i give up on this then my advice to those people in the beginning stages would be what is it that would happen if you didn't do this anymore? Like, would it impact you very much or would it, and the person might answer, yeah, it's giving up on my dream and that would totally crush me. Okay. So keep going, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Or they say, you know what? It doesn't really bother me if I kind of gave up on this idea. For me, with with Teamy, I've multiple times gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, I just want to give up. You know, I just want to stop doing. It's too, much, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much responsibility. And when I looked at what would happen, like really, what would happen if I stopped? I mean, all these people would be out of jobs. All our customers would not get be able to have our products anymore. All the things I've been able to do, support my mom, do all these things would would come to an end. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can't stop. I have to keep going, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and later stages, you know, you might think that if a company's making millions of dollars, that maybe the owners are making millions of dollars. And that's just the furthest from the truth. Uh, You're taking expenses and you're investing into the business as its own entity, not for yourself. So actually, as the business has grown, I personally have made less and less money as the business has grown. And that's something that a lot of people don't consider. Mm-hmm. And I say, are you okay with that? Are you okay that, that that might happen? And I'm hoping, of course, to always increase my finances, but things change in business. Cost of business changes. Uh, I kind of went on a tangent there. so.
0: But I think it was a great tangent. <laughs> no, that's okay. But I think it was great, though, that you had mentioned how your business has grown and your income has gone down. Because I think that there is kind of like this facade that we hear these numbers a lot, like you've built a multimillion dollar business. So you make millions of dollars. And that is not the truth. And that's what I think a lot of people sometimes use or have these numbers or think like I will never be at the level of that person because of the numbers attached. But really, probably you maybe are. It's just it's really just the numbers and how you look at it and what you're trying to get out of your numbers. Totally. There's a lot of people
1: out there that their businesses are much smaller than mine and they personally are making much more than me. And that's totally okay. That's their business model. And I have a different business model. You can't compare apples to oranges. I have a, a friend that owns an, an Amazon company that does so much more than than Timmy ever does. And he has no desire to, have to build a lifestyle brand and to engage with his customers and to change people's lives. He just sells some product on Amazon and, and that's all he cares about. He doesn't really care about anything else. And that's okay. If I had come, if that was my idea, that's probably where I would be right now. But I wanted to make a movement and to create a community. And lo and behold, that's way harder than selling a product on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> so it costs a lot more apparently. And I would never have known that. But like when you're in your dreaming stage of like, what is it that I want to do? I didn't want to sell like iPhone cases on Amazon. That That's not what came to me. Mm-hmm. And so... I take the road of building a brand, and that's a tough road. And that's what happened. And that was my dream. And then you have to come down to reality. Be like, okay,
0: well, this dream is different than the Amazon dream that mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah, and I loved how you also just to kind of like back up and circle around how you had touched on like if you had to give this up, would it matter tomorrow? If you said I'm done and. Would it affect you tomorrow? I think that that's a great thing because I always think about when I wake up in the morning and my feet hit the ground, do I want to keep doing this? And that's mm-hmm. like kind of what like even when I'm coaching other people to say, does it matter enough like that you wake up and you want to do this every day? Yeah, And like that's what truly matters because at the end of your life, you woke up every day to build this thing that you have to truly deep in your heart really want to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, but to be honest, there's been many, many times I've woken up and been like, I don't want to do this right now (laughs) when things are really hard. So the idea of if you're passionate about something, you have to be happy all the time and you, you know, I've been lost on my own purpose before many times and I just have a very high responsibility level and I have people that are counting on me. So I had no choice whether I wanted to or I didn't want to. But given when thinking about giving up is different than like waking up and being grateful every day. There was a month's period of time where things were really tough and it sucked and you have to make it through and get to the other side and you just have to own it and do it even when it's not pleasant. Entrepreneurship is not pleasant. Yes. (laughs)
0: And thank you for touching on and saying how, like, you were lost in your own self, even while still building the business and knowing that you have the responsibility to keep going. Because I think that that's one thing that I know I have thought it. I'm like, well, they just, you know, and this is the facade of social media as well. Like, we would never know that some entrepreneurs are really, truly lost in their self and they might hate what they're putting out, but they know like you have the team. So we're going to keep putting out this content and finding yourself in the background of still pushing your business forward. Exactly. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this amazing wisdom today. And I feel like we covered so many topics that this podcast is going to be stuffed full of all these like amazing gold nuggets of wisdom. I always like to ask people, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice, what time would you go back to give yourself some advice from the you now?
1: You know, I would uh, go back multiple, multiple different occasions uh, and to my current self, my future, future self telling my current self to celebrate more. I Mm -hmm. don't celebrate enough. My wins, my accomplishments I get to whatever I'm doing. I check it off and I move on to the next problem. And I don't mark the occasion with some sort of celebration. And it feels like a never ending loop that way. Like you're always chasing mm-hmm. it, chasing it, chasing it. Cause there's always stuff to do. So figuring out, and I'm saying this to my current self, like figure out how to like acknowledge and validate milestones so that I'll remember that I actually reached a milestone because if not, it's just, you know, it just feels like you're never achieving your goals and for people that are self-motivated, mm-hmm. you achieve that thing and you go on to the next thing. And I am the most guilty of that. You know, my husband asked me, asked me the other day, he was like, like, at what point will you be satisfied? Like at what point really? And I had to think about it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then we started listing off, okay, well, if all my kids' colleges are paid for and I had this this house and Timmy was at this level, and, you know i'm I'm setting out like really big goals. And I'm like, when I have all of those things, I will be satisfied. And my husband said to me, "Well, are you not going to be happy until you get that? And I was like, I need to figure out how to enjoy the show and enjoy the journey. and that's that's my own advice to myself is figure that out like enjoy the struggle, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I can relate to that so much because I'm the exact same way. Like, it's always like, all right, we hit this goal or we hit this milestone, what's next? Yeah, What's the next? Like I'm always, what's next and what do we turn to? And this last year has taught me to to like slow down and just kind of try to enjoy, but there's just something innate in that is hard. But I like how you had said like, what is the goal or what's gonna make me happy like in this season and then enjoy that we hit that goal. Right. Exactly. Oh, uh, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If anyone wants to reach out to you after the podcast, where can they find you? Uh, anyone can DM
1: me at, at Adi uh, I answer all my DMs so you can DM me
0: there. It's the best way to get in contact. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Living Your Calling podcast. If you love this episode, will you share it with a friend or leave a review? Make sure that you subscribe or follow so that you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from listeners and connecting. You can find us over on Instagram at the Living Your Calling Podcast or at Michelle Ann Hagen. Join us inside of our private Facebook community called the Living Your Calling Podcast Community. It's free, so why don't you join us inside? You can join by clicking the link in our Instagram bios or checking out the show notes. Join us and we will dive in deeper and I can't wait to connect with you. If you needed someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams, friend, this is it. I promise that you are worthy of whatever is on your heart and whatever calling you are wanting to chase. I am proud of you and I'm here for you. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for.